Coming to you from the greatest city in the world, this is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Chris Ortiz, how are you? I'm very well. How are you doing, Matt? I'm great, but I'm a little worried. Why are you worried? Because if I admit how long it's been since we actually went out to Vegas and did this episode. <laughs> well, you know. I, I feel like Terry will kill me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the magic of podcasts and radio. It's <laughs> the secrets you have to keep. Well, I'll tell you why, why we waited this long. First of all, those of you that read the episode title know that this is about Terry's 10th anniversary, which we were so lucky to get to attend. But why, if the highly publicized event was back in March, have we waited till now to air it? There's a very simple reason. Terry was the first celebrity guest that we had, the sixth guest on the show when it started, and uh, mm -hmm. we had Jimmy Nelson as the hundredth guest. And so I thought, we need to have Terry, and I will save this until the 200th episode. So that's what this is. It's very special, and I'm so excited. I mean, I still, still remember March like it was yesterday. Didn't you have a blast? I absolutely loved heading out there. I don't take many vacations, and just getting out there and uh, getting to celebrate a special moment uh, with him and his close friends and family, it was spectacular. And I remember the story of how you got Terry on the very first episode on Talk for Two, and that story always kind of, kind of makes me laugh because we're kind of around the same age. Uh, we went to school at the same time. And I don't know. I just loved that story of how you got Terry on the very first time. Well, it's funny because I didn't know a thing about celebrities and publicists and executive assistants. It was just, it was just weird because he was there at convention. I didn't even have business cards yet for the show. And so he just took, the, his assistant at the time, just took my information out on a little slip of paper my mom had in her purse. And we gave it to the assistant. And I'm like, okay, this is never gonna happen. Man's busy, <laughs> man has his own life. Uh, oh yeah. So then I come to New York to take my math placement test and it went about as well as you, know, you could expect with my issues. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I had to do it in an office. I'll be very upfront about this. It's a learning disability thing. I have, I call it dyscalculia, even though I've never been officially diagnosed. So I mm -hmm. was in a tiny little office in the support services uh, uh, section of PACE, their, their office building, and I was in a tiny little room in that. And so instead of like collecting your phones in a basket, they put your phones in a closet. And I remember very clearly, um, getting my phone out, um, and there's this missed call from a California number, and I typically don't call odd numbers back, except if I see that it's like a New York or, or California, and there was no message, and something just said, call it back, and they said, hello, this is Eve. I said, yes, you called this number, thinking it may have been a wrong number, because they didn't say, hello, this is Eve, with so-and-so publicity. It was just, mm -hmm. this is Eve, she goes, oh, Matt, uh, were you interested in setting up an interview with Terry Fader? 
and I nearly <laughs> dropped the phone. Because you have yep. to remember, now, you know, we're friends with him, you, you've known him for a long time, and I've become mm -hmm. close with him in the last couple of years, but, I, you know, he didn't know me from Adam at that time, uh, as a person, so it was just, mm -hmm. it, was, it was very crazy and very cool, and that first one we did, uh, I did, and then you messaged me and said, you little bugger, and that's how we met. That <laughs> uh, is how we met, yeah. And then I went out to intern with him the following year because we had him back on for the eighth anniversary, uh, and I had, and I'll admit this now, I was so nervous, I, was, I wanted to ask to see if I could come out and intern and just get a week to do behind-the-scenes stuff and get college credit because you needed an internship. And we did it mm -hmm. as, a, as a summer course. Um, did. And in my teleprompter script that I had prepared for the episode, I had my little addendum of, and I read it verbatim. And I'm, I'm very good, I would like to think, at, at making it so that you don't know that I'm reading things. Uh, mm -hmm. So I kind of just naturally read this. And it was like, yeah, sure, we'll be in touch. And people from his organization were in touch, and I said, this is what I'd need to be able to do it financially, and they were like, that's no problem. And unfortunately, I didn't get a lot of time with Terry then, and then that is when somebody got really mad at me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> let's, let's talk about your feelings here, Chris. Oh, well, <laughs> well <laughs> let's not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, well, what had happened was I had uh, lost touch with Terry after yeah. AGT mm -hmm. um, just because of, you know, the busyness and the craziness of his level of success. And mm -hmm. I didn't know how to contact him. I thought he had forgotten all about me. And then all of a sudden, uh, there's this another guy who's around the same age I am, who's, you know, kind of best friends with him now and getting an internship and getting posted on his Instagram page. Well, that and I'm was like, a, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> that was a wrong mischaracterization. But to back it up, tell, tell people, for me, those who may not know, how you met him and how you got to know him. Yeah, so uh, the short version is my mom has a booth at the Iowa State Fair, uh, kids craft tent and he was performing at a little kid stage called the fun forest stage and every single day of the 11 day Iowa State Fair I would kind of run over it was maybe 30 steps away and I remember running over before every show so excited to see this ventriloquist this impressionist and um, it definitely was a highlight of my childhood, um, to say the least. And uh, from that moment on, I wanted to be a ventriloquist. I got all of his merchandise. We emailed each other back and forth from that day forward. And uh, that's how I met Terry. Tell me about, because I've, I've always wondered this, but I've never been able to quite put it into words. When not only when he won, but when he got the Mirage deal. Mm -hmm. what, what was the emotion that went through you as somebody that knew him? Because let me just give a little bit of a parallel and a little bit of a shout out. There is a band called Perta, P-E-R-T-A, that is fronted mm -hmm. by a gentleman who was, I think, two years ahead of me in mm -hmm. high school. And he's just this tour de force guy. Everybody loved him. You could tell he would do something special. And in college, he started this this rock band, 
And they are just killing it. They were signed by WME. They're in talks with labels. They were on Alec Baldwin's podcast. And he never has virtual unknowns on his show. So you know they're going places. And I can't wait to watch them explode because I got to see one of their early shows. And I can't wait to watch them explode because it's just going to be awesome. So I can't imagine what that felt like to see Terry just explode for you. As my mom likes to uh, recall, I was, I believe, in fourth grade. It was a school night. The you know finale episode was on. <laughs> Once they announced his name, uh, my mom likes to say I screamed the loudest, girliest scream I could ever let out. <laughs> and uh, it, I was so happy for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I was proud to know such a humble and nice mentor. And I was just, I was over the moon for him. Yeah. I was very excited. (laughs) He deserved it. Yeah, he, he, wow. And then the addendum to the story is two (laughs) years later, he calls me after the 2014 interview or internship. He calls me Mm -hmm. out of the blue. I don't know why he thought of me. He is a bunch of friends. I I have no clue. But he said, we, we were talking about some stuff that was going on. And he said, by the way, come back out and intern for us before you graduate college. I said, well, I'm going into my senior year. This was already June, uh, or very close to June. I said, this would be the, this was June. This would be the summer to do it. He said, okay. And by convention (laughs) time, which is in July, it it was Mm -hmm. set. But I didn't leave him go. I said, well, I said, there is somebody who has, who is very nervous to try to get back in touch with you, but, but I promised him that if ever the opportunity to do this again came up, I would not do it without, without him. I said, Which I, want, I appreciate it, by the way. <laughs> I want to come out with Chris Ortiz. And, and he, I'm saying that not to toot my own horn, but I'm telling you to say this guy, he doesn't care. Like there's, there's, I mean, there is a certain level of decorum, but he's not somebody I'm ever afraid to ask a question of uh, because I don't expect anything. You know, he just, mm-hmm. as you heard, those of us, those of you that listened to our interview with him together in December, no, he doesn't care about the money. He doesn't care about the fame. He cares about what he can do for other people because of his place now in life. And it's just amazing to see 10 years at the Mirage and 10 years of being able to give back. And we've been on the receiving end of that uh, way too many times. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. What was it like, Matt, I have to ask, going from that very first interview with him all the way to this past March, celebrating his 10-year anniversary. I mean, what was that like for you? You learn not to take it for granted. Because Hmm. the Mirage, I don't know if you feel this way, every time I walk in the Mirage and I smell that, the Mirage has a very distinctive smell. It so does, it does. And if I'm away for a while and I go back to the Mirage and I I walk in the pedestrian entrance right there next to the burger place and his Mm -hmm. little, his video placard, uh, this is going to sound so, just make me sound like a sissy, but I don't care. I get emotional because all Mm -hmm. of the memories come rushing back. You know, they say smell is very connected to sense memory. And to go off on a little tangent... I had a surgery for my deviated septum, which I've talked about on this show. And one of the Mm -hmm. things it did is it took away my sense of smell for a little bit. It's back now, but it took it away. Like, Mm 
like it was gone. Like it just, mm-hmm. my bod- my brain was not responding to smells, you know. I didn't know that. It, it, huh. It's a side effect of having all having the operation done and getting the packing in there and the splints. They say it can take a little while for as that to heal for access to those nerve endings to come back. But it was freaky. And one of the things I kept thinking over and over again is, if I go to Vegas, I'm not going to be able to smell the mirage. Mm-hmm. That's a weird thing to think, but that that's how connected that is, you know. And so I tell Max all the time, the mirage kind of feels like home. You walk in, it all comes mm-hmm. back, and it's like I feel very at home there. Very special moments. We surprised, Max and I, we surprised my parents for their 30th anniversary by showing up, and we made yeah. them. Yeah. We lied to them and said that Terry's assistant wanted to see them, and we made them go to the theater. And we, so we mm-hmm. surprised them in the theater lobby. So there's so many memories attached to that that I, I can't describe. The, yeah, and we're not talking about cigarette smell either, folks. No. We are. You get that at any This unique, do you think it's the cleaning supplies? I don't know what it is. It's some scent that they pump in because it's, it's tropical. And the Mirage yeah. is supposed to be like a Polynesian-themed resort. So it, I think it's something that it could be a mixture of the cleaning supplies or mm-hmm. a scent that they pump in, but it's not the cigarette smoke. It's not something you could get at any casino. It, you're right. It is a distinctive smell. And if anybody out there who's a Vegas nut wants to email me and let me know what it is, because I walk into other casinos, I don't get the smell. I don't get the mm-hmm. sensory experience that you get walking into this hotel. And I'm so glad you recognize it, too, because it makes me feel like I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you hit it, you hit the nail on the head. It feels like home, uh, and all of the memories come rushing back, you know, from the 34 times I've been there. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, what what an experience we've had there, both of us. Mm-hmm. You know, from internships to celebrating his 10-year anniversary, it is remarkable. Mm-hmm. That's just awesome. You know, it's just, I didn't, I said, you, we went to it, the lounge night beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were sitting there, and I'm like, how did this happen? You know? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not supposed to, you know, it's just, and it's so cool that Terry is cool like that, that he's... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's he's like that. You know that that the people that really he knows really care and aren't going to use him, he invites them into his life. The whole point of this backstory is that we're just very fortunate, and you know it's kind of this is going to sound. I don't know if this will sound egotistical or weird or wrong, but I feel like in our line of work, becoming friends with the talent a is rare, and b is amazing when it happens because that means the relationship is not just give and take. And so in everything that I do now, I try to be more sociable and be more mm-hmm. open to an ongoing relationship more so than just me interviewing you and you moving along. I do have relationships. Like now I'm doing some video editing for Pauly Shore. We've stayed in mm-hmm. touch because I did the 90s Fest thing. And uh I've gone and seen shows when people come up here because they've done my show before and we hang out, you know, we hang out before or after. And that's kind of something Terry has taught me is that the relationship can continue. It doesn't just need to be, uh, to use a, a psychological word, transactional. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. just be 
give and take. And so, you know, I kind of do that in the spirit of, hey, it, it happened with him. Maybe it could happen again. You know, it's it. I'm yeah. very fortunate to get to do what I get to do. And I'm sure it's the same way in radio for you. I want to ask you, did you air any, well, I didn't give you the file, so the answer is probably no, but did you air or talk about it, your former station, the 10th anniversary? Did, were you allowed to talk about that on air at all? Um, I may have talked about my trip. Um, I'm trying to remember that. <laughs> I am four weeks into a new job, and mm -hmm. I remember always promoting Terry's show. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever an Elton John song came on, I'm like, hey, you can go see that in Vegas, you know, with an Elton John puppet, Terry Fader. Or like when, um, I don't know, a Leonard Skinner song came on. Um, but I, I may have talked about the trip. I can't remember. Um, not in depth, but, you know, saying, hey, went to Vegas, you know, celebrated 10-year anniversary with Terry Fader. It was a lot of fun. Go check him out. I mean, it See, was probably that simple. Oh, excuse me. I burped there for a second. Apologies, guys. And it's interesting <laughs> to me that your manager didn't get in trouble because that, you know, that's not paid advertising, you know? But mm -hmm. I guess that's kind of how shows do their thing, you know? I was talking about this with the editor for uh, the owner for Music Universe. A lot of it, yep. yeah, some of it's paid advertising, but a lot of it is people who are really enthusiastic about the brand or about the music. Uh, watching QVC the other day, my mom and I were talking about this. Uh, the brand Life is Good. Uh, they, have, they have these really comfortable T-shirts, and David Venable, one of the QVC hosts, would go and buy mm. them down the shore at Del in Delaware, and he would post about it on his Instagram. And so that was kind of how they blew up. Now, they were popular before uh, before the age of Instagram. They'd been around for a while, but you know, a lot of the word of mouth stuff. So that's why I asked if you could do it because could talk about it because I know that people, especially in the Midwest, take vacations outward towards the coast and they should know mm -hmm. to go see this incredible show. And I was just there with my parents and I've wanted them for a long time to go see Terry's show, but I'm actually kind of glad it took this long because the show's the best it's ever been. It's a concert now. Whereas before it was like a, a variety performance. This is him mm -hmm. doing a lips-closed concert. I mean, it's just bam, bam, bam. Were you surprised? I was surprised. I, Oh, I was, yeah, completely shocked. I remember when he first started in Vegas in 2009, and he would have transition music for when he himself just took the puppets, you know, mm -hmm. off stage or maybe, you know, behind his cart that he had or shelf whatever you yeah, want to call it shelves, yeah yeah and he would there would be time to um uh, kind of comprehend what just happened in the character that just spoke and um there was there was this pause in the show where it's like okay transition time you know you could tell but like you said matt now it's all boom 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 pretty much i was telling my mom this when you know, someone else is taking a puppet off for him. Someone else is already bringing another puppet on so that they yeah. can just go into the next routine. It goes so quick. Yeah, and it was it was an evolution uh, because it was an evolution because at first it would be, first I guess, like you said, now I never saw it, but it would be, I never saw this iteration, but it would be him taking it off. And then it was, and then it was, either Ben or Taylor, 
mm -hmm. uh, taking off the puppet and then bringing on the next one. And now they're coming in from both sides. And I, I love seeing it. See, when you're a ventriloquist, you, you get into the, the technical aspect of it. But I, I'm sitting here and I've been wondering about this, like how you get the evolution of getting from how he started to how it is. Yeah, a lot of it is staffing. But I wonder, knowing him and trying to psycho, psychoanalyze him, as he does himself, how much of it was confidence that he really could go for it? How long had this idea been germinating to just to just go at full blast? Mm -hmm. But I I think it, I think that was a huge part of it. I think he knows how many impressions he can do, mm -hmm. and knowing how long he's been doing impressions. I mean, there's videos of him on YouTube uh, with Texas the Band, you know, and him doing impressions that he now does in his Las Vegas show. So he's been doing it for quite some time. And I think my take on it is him trying to get all, I don't want to say get all the money's worth in, but he wants to fit in all the impressions he can do in one show and you know he has writers that support him and want him to be happy with the show he has the team that he has the band that is equipped to playing a variety of of music and you know numerous songs that can i mean do you remember going to i think it was during one of our internships we went to a rehearsal and he inserted a song, and I think it was in the show the next night. I think it was She's Country. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. And just, you know. He then was, he wasn't he, happy and with I it, and he took it out. Remember that? Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. And, but no, like you said, I think it's, a, it's the confidence. I think it's also having the resources now that he has to, to do, to have more puppets and more impressions in his show. Yeah. So it just goes to show that you can have all the money in the world thrown at you with the first $100 million contract, and unless you have the resources and have your footing, you're not going to have the show that you want in the back of your mind until you, re you have the resources and, again, your footing on, you know, what the theater is, what the layout is, and you make sure everybody gels. Even, you know, mm -hmm. all the money in the world doesn't get rid of what my grandmother calls the need for evolution, not revolution. I mean, sure, mm. a lot of money makes him have an amazing show out, out set, but it's grown and it's evolved, and I don't doubt that he's kind of always wanted to do a show like what this is. So it's mm -hmm. really, really cool. So I think we should shut up now and throw it to the <laughs> 10th anniversary interview that we did. Absolutely, I like that. So now, with the Mirage, yep. 10 years, yep. what was going on in your head in 2009? Did you think you'd get to this point? What was the dream then? What was the dream now with this residency? You know, I actually did assume that I would uh, make it 10 years. I, uh, they signed a five-year contract with a option for another five, and my assumption was that it was going to be successful and that in five years they were going to sign another. And uh, sure enough, we did, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm my job is to continue to keep the show fresh and entertaining and fun for the fans so that I can be here another 40 years. With, with these past 10 years, I mean, what has been your most favorite memory out of all of this? My favorite memory was when Jerry Lewis came to the show. Uh, he sat and watched the show. 
I could hear him laughing from the stage. And then after the show, he came, shook my hand, and said, you, sir, are a genius. And I said, okay, I can die happy now. Definitely. That is amazing. <laughs> after all this time, how do you still decide and find new music, find old music that you haven't done yet? What's that process? Anything that inspires me, I listen to something, I'll hear something on the radio. Some, sometimes people will mention something to me, and I'll say, well, that's a great idea. That's how I find it. And you're, as a lover of theater, you're always going to see shows, you're always paying attention to musical theater. You know just how important it is to have a team that cares. And yeah. how many backstage, how much help do you have from your team? I have a, a team show? that is absolutely unbelievable. And having a good team is incredibly important, letting them take care of the things so that I can make, a, all I have to worry about is my show and performing and the, red, the team takes care of everything else. If you have too much on your plate, you're not able to, uh, to deliver to the fans like you should. How long did it take you to put this 10th anniversary show together? What was that process? I've been working on this for over a year, and we started, uh, we started writing about, well, about a year ago, and then uh, we've been rehearsing nonstop for two months. Uh, every single day we came in and rehearsed. I put the show in about three weeks ago, and we made tweets every night until last night. So. Woo! Now you're up again in three years for your contract. You want to stay here? Want to retire? What do you want to do? You oh, I, right I no, I want to stay here at the Mirage. <laughs> I want to sign another ten-year contract to keep going. How do you how do you deal with this and the road dates? Does that ever get to be too much? No, it's a lot of fun. I just what I do is I'll, I'll do a show. I'll I'll write a show here for the Mirage. And then when I'm done with that and I start writing new material, I take that material and make it into roadshow material. So I never have to write two shows at a time. I'm always writing one show and then just moving it over. So it makes it easy for my, it makes my job easy. More deserving, Terry. No one more deserving than you. Ten years. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, any more future plans? Where, how do you top this? How do you go, where do you go from here? I don't know, but I'm going to figure out a way to top it. I always do. I, my, my goal to myself is... Uh, top the last show and then I write it and every single time I go how am I in the world am I going to do it and I do it every time so I'm just going to continue pushing myself awesome Terry <laughs> what an honor to be here to be your friend when when he met you at the, oh that was the other question the last question we have for you do you still see people from those old fair days right now I do I do see uh, I do see people from the fair days uh, entertainers that I worked with back in the fairs and it's always a delight and always fun to see them what a thrill to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Have you ever done a junket like that before? Uh, probably. Really? You've done <laughs> things where you've been not the only media in the room? Uh, I Yeah, probably at the other station that I was on. Yeah. The other place. Because that's when the pressure's on, and that's when the, the being friends and the socializing melts away, and you're there to do a job, and you get it done, and I... You and I, I you, by the way, you were great because I know you were a little worried about how fast it was going to have to be, but uh, mm -hmm. I just... I was freaking out. <laughs> I want to say thank you to his publicist uh, for uh, um, for getting us in and allowing us access mm -hmm. and getting us press tickets. I also want to say thank you to the lovely BJ. All I'm going to say is you know what you did and we love you for it. And yep. uh, it was just so much fun i mean what was going through your mind I, I, again i'm not sure i think i asked you this and then we took your break for your traffic break but what was going through your mind uh, while we're there i remember i remember going back to the hotel room and i was like what just happened i mean i thought <laughs> we were in a dream man it was so much fun to just 
be there for him and, and you know, celebrate. It's such a wonderful occasion. Mm-hmm. You know, 10 years in Vegas is a big deal. Not many people can headline, you know, a show for that period of time, but he's done it. Yeah. And what's so cool, what's so inspiring to many is that he wants to go another 10, another 20. He, you know, he wants to be there for as long as he lives. And I think that's the coolest thing ever. He, it's taken him a while to get there, so I can understand mm-hmm. wanting to keep it. And they, the Mirage people said, you know, we hope to have you for another, another 10 years. And they do right by him. They give him the amount of money he needs to go and do the show that he wants to do. And mm-hmm. it's just, there's only so much you could say about it until you have to just say, go, see it, you know. And to me, the Mirage is one of two perfectly sized, res- I won't say what the other one is because we're not talking about them and it's another company, <laughs> but it's one of two or three perfectly sized resort hotels on the Strip. The, other, mm-hmm. the others are too big, too cavernous, too spread out. It would take you forever just to get where you need to go. And I just, you go there and Terry kind of fits perfectly in that because his show is perfectly sized. His talent, I don't know what it is, but his talent perfectly fits that hotel. It's just a marriage and a match made in heaven. Mm -hmm. And it's just excellent. And two years ago, this is, this is, I'm a bad boy. Okay. Because Uh two, (laughs) two years ago, I went and hung out with him. Uh, Max and I, it was the first trip we ever took, and we went to Vegas and hung out. Cause he oh, yeah, him. yeah. And it was, wasn't an internship. I just wanted to show Max Vegas, and so we went. And we hung out with him. And we just, I don't know why, I don't know if I requested it through BJ or if he just said, do you have your recorder with you? Let's do something. We did the most personal interview I think um, they've ever I've ever done with him, and he got into it about how Vegas has changed him, and just I actually as of this recording I'm going to admit it, I haven't listened to it yet, because uh, since since we recorded it, because it's just <clears> one of those things that that it just is an in the moment thing, and it'll be really cool when I do listen back to it because it's just. You could tell, I just plopped the recorder down. You know how he had, he doesn't anymore, but he had these recliners in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. And I just plopped the recorder down and we just shot the breeze. And of all his, awesome. his appearances on the show, I think this is by far my favorite. And I believe in God, okay? And I, I know I can get lazy, especially after school. I got lazy with this. I stopped doing it weekly and... I just kind of do it mm-hmm. whenever we have something special. But, and Max has been kicking my butt about it, but I, I, I didn't air this, and I thought I would. And I just never got around to it. And I think I, I would credit, perhaps, divine intervention that I just held on to it. Because I think now, first of all, as awesome as it was to be there, a full episode of Five Minute Interview does not make, you know. So, mm-hmm. to have this secondary interview that I've never had, that I've never shared is really, really, really cool and really special. And I think it gives a good glimpse of the trust I am so thrilled, we are so thrilled, you and I both, to share mm-hmm. with him. Terry Fader, welcome back to Talk for Two. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Matt. How are you doing? I am great. Matt, I think 
think you hold the record for most appearances on the show. I think <laughs> this is number five. It's crazy. <laughs> well, I love doing the show, so why wouldn't I? Well, thank you so much. How many times since July when we last sat down have you changed your show? How many new routines? Oh my gosh, probably eight or nine, I guess. So, wow. so I, I'm constantly putting new routines on. You, you were just there watching rehearsal for a new routine that's going in tomorrow night. So we're changing Winston's uh, the opening routine. So people can come and see my show year after year after year and always see new stuff. Yeah, and I saw a... Uh, now, this is interesting because I haven't seen the new show yet, but we were just at rehearsal. How do you use that desk? In the, on the I don't stage? at all. It's a prop. That I, don't even, I don't even go to it. We just want it to look like it's a talk show. That's all. Oh, so that's cool. Purely for, purely for looks. Yeah, because I remember when I was here in January, we, we didn't talk about this on tape, but you had said that you were changing it to a talk show format. Mm-hmm. But you've always thought of your dynamic as a ventriloquist to be of a talk show host. Exactly. Right? And, and I even say that, uh, like you'll see tonight when you see the show, is uh, when I open it up, I say when I was a kid, uh, the, the way I would rehearse my ventriloquism was pretending I was Johnny Carson and my puppets were the guests on my show. So I'd be like, so I would get up and I would, I would just act like I was a talk show host. Because I feel like that if you're a ventriloquist, um, you need to make sure, you know, your job is not just to talk without moving your lips. Your job is to create life. Your job is to make every person in that audience believe that the character you're talking to is a, li- a living, breathing human being or, uh, uh, you know, living and breathing because it could be like I have a turtle and people, some people have dogs and whatever. But, but regardless of it, they have to buy into it. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, if I'm treating that, my puppet like a real person, then, uh, then uh, you just take that your ventriloquism to that next level. Exactly. Now, this is, shows you the time span. And I, I know, since we're friends, you know this is genuine when I say this. We started the show, you did two appearances when it was Ventriloquism Weekly, three since we, this makes number three since we changed the name to Talk for Two. You were the reason I host a talk show that is now focused on celebrities. You were the first <laughs> celebrity I ever had. I owe being able, I actually tell you this, first time I'm telling anybody this, just today we were up in the room and he got scared because I screamed and I woke him up. I booked Dolly Parton. Oh, that's fantastic. And I would not be booking celebrities if it were not for you. And well. so... I'm curious, we talked a lot about, on that first appearance, uh, who your vent inspirations were. What vent characters did you love growing up? Um, you, you know, my, main, my favorite characters were the ones that Edgar Bergen um, did. I, I love Jimmy Nelson as a, as a ventriloquist. Um, I love Paul uh, Winchell as a ventriloquist. I love Sherry Lewis as a ventriloquist. But I don't believe any of them ever kind of um, accomplished what what Edgar Bergen did in creating genuine, real characters. Mortimer Snurd and Charlie McCarthy um, kind of took on a life of their own. They became as big a stars, if not bigger stars, than Edgar was. And and that really is a testament to the to how amazing he was at creating characters. But but that being said, uh, I think the Muppets were equally as, in, as influential. And Jim Henson, because that was his whole thing. His whole thing, you know, before him, puppeteering was really just for kids. Jim Henson took it to a whole new level, as did Edgar Bergen with ventriloquism. Uh, it wasn't just about, and that's why it worked so well on the, on the radio with Edgar Bergen, because um, we didn't care that his lips, about his lips, we cared about the characters. He created these characters that were so incredible and that lovable, um, as, as did Jim Henson, you know? And the Muppets were really, uh, we believe that Kermit the Frog is, is a real Entity, we believe Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, all these characters, Ernie and Bert, uh, you know, uh, uh, Big Bird. Well, I think 
sorry to interrupt, but I think it's about disembodiment. I think uh, yes. both Bergen and and uh, Jim Henson and all of his puppeteers disembodied themselves from the characters extraordinarily well. Bergen on radio, Henson on Sesame Street. No, absolutely. And they created these living, breathing characters that were absolutely real to all of us. We all felt they were true and real characters. And um, and that became my focus, not, you know, I, I but with, for me, the, the, not moving the lips is, is uh, removing a distraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only reason I was obsessed with it and I was so concerned about not moving my lips uh, it wasn't that I felt that that was the heart of ventriloquism. I felt like, well, you know, that's going to be a distraction because uh, people I, I hear, you know, oh, well, Edgar Bergen wasn't that good because he moved his lips. And I'm like, oh, you have no idea. Edgar Bergen created characters that were beloved by millions upon millions of people worldwide, you know, hundreds of millions of people worldwide. And that, to me, is, is means so much more than, oh, well, he didn't, he moved his lips a little bit. So, to me, I just wanted to remove that distraction so that people didn't say, well, I really love the characters and, and you know, Terry does all these, uh, these voices, but, uh, but his lips move. So, you know, I just said, well, okay, so I just make sure I, my lips don't move. So I worked very, very hard, you know, tens of thousands of hours of rehearsing and practicing to not move my lips. Um, you know, so, so that to me is, is, where it is, is where it really, really matters, though, is about that character creation. And one of the things that we've never really touched on here on this show, and I've actually never really heard you talk about because I think you, you didn't know, you, you said to me that you didn't know that other people couldn't do this, is the impressions. Mm-hmm. Did you, was there ever a time where you just began studying impressions as seriously as you studied vent? Never, no. That's just crazy. came naturally, just came that naturally for crazy. me. That is crazy. I mean, I was always a fan of like Rich Little and things like that, but I didn't consider myself an impressionist because I didn't do, because um, I didn't do the speaking impressions, you know, I, I can... I couldn't, not that I couldn't, I probably could have if I wanted to, but it just didn't really interest me um, to <laughs> to do the impressions of speakers, you know, people speaking. I just always loved singing. I love to sing, and I and that's what I wanted to focus on was singing. <laughs> so, um, and, and I just didn't even know I was doing an impression. I would hear uh, Michael Jackson do a song, and I would sing it like him. I would hear... Um, uh, you know, uh, Johnny Car- Johnny uh, Cash do a song, I would sing just like him. I, I just thought that that's how it was supposed to be done because it came so naturally for me. Let's see. Well, it, it makes me wonder, and, and you know, I mean this it, in a very nice way. Do you think if you would have known what you'd been learning and, and known the hurdles that you would have ever pursued it and be like, oh, no, they're saying that's impossible? Absolutely. I, I, uh, I don't believe in impossible. One of the things that, and I was thinking about this when I was putting this interview together because we've talked about your career so many times over. I know that the Terry Fader that was doing fairs, he dreamed about this, and we're sitting here in your dressing room. Mm-hmm. Eight years into this, mm-hmm. how has Terry Fader changed as a person? Um, I'm wiser than I was. Um, I used to be very naive. Um, I used to be much... I, I'm still a trusting person, but um, I, I've, I've really learned to trust but verify. You know, I don't just blindly trust anymore. I trust but verify. So I don't think I could ever be really a cynical person because it's just not my nature. I'm a very positive, upbeat person. Uh, I always try to see the good in everything. Um, and you know, and somebody asked me the other day when I was doing a, a meet and greet because um, I, I I do uh, meet and greets where people can come back and, and meet me and and then I have a question and answer. And somebody asked me, "Do you have any regrets?" And I said, "No, I, I don't have time for re- regrets. Um, have I made mistakes? Absolutely, we've all made mistakes, but I don't." I can't say I regret them because I try to learn from every mistake and I try to do better the next time and not make the same mistake twice. 
or three times. You know, sometimes you make the same mistake twice and then you go, okay, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do that again, you know. And that's really how, how I live my life. And creatively, of course, I know we've touched on this, has, has your imagination expanded or has putting you into this sort of made it a little formulaic? No, my, my imagination has expanded uh, immensely in, in ways that I never could have possibly dreamed. Uh, uh, I, I'm having more fun and I, I believe I'm more imaginative and, and, and more creative than I've ever been. And, and that really just comes with doing, you know. It's like, it's like a person that says, you know, uh, oh gosh, I'm never going to write a hit book or a hit novel or, or a, a bestseller. Well, you're never going to write a bestseller unless you write novels. You know, if you keep writing, it might be your hundredth. But you might get it, but you're never going to get it if you don't write, you know. So as I continue to create, as I continue to um, to write jokes and write routines and continue to work on my singing, uh, I just keep getting better and better, which is exactly what happens when you work on something every day. <laughs> exactly. I want to end talking about something we rarely talk about, but the tour. It seems like you've ramped up your dates. I think Randy was telling me you do about 37 dates now mm -hmm. a year. Um why is it important for you to, to be out on the road? And why is it important for you to present them something, to, to present yourself differently on the road than here at the Mirage? Well, for one thing, it's fun. I love, you know, it's nice to get away. It's nice to, um, to, to experience something totally unique and different, um, a new environment. Uh, I, I now have a wife who actually wants to go with me on these things. Um, and I got to say, that makes a enormous difference to be able to be with somebody who loves me that I love and and want to be with and so I don't feel homesick when I'm when, when as long as she's there because really uh, I love my house here in Vegas I, I absolutely adore it but um, uh, yeah it's it's well it's it's home you know and I love that I get to sleep in my own bed but <clears throat> but I feel just as at home as long as she's in my arms uh, you know it doesn't matter where I am so so th first of all that's I enjoy that it's fun Second of all, for my fans, uh, my fans, there are a lot of, I get a lot of emails and letters and BJ can, and can, um, BJ is my assistant. Um, she'll tell you that I get a lot of them where people say, oh, please come here. And you know, because, uh, you know, I have a grandmother who cannot travel and she really wants to see Terry so badly. Well, this is my opportunity to allow those fans who can't, who just simply can't come and see me in Vegas to be able to see the show. So it's a way of giving back and, and thanking my fans for, uh, for their immense, amazing support. You have the most beautiful fans. I mean, today we went to lunch, I know, and I saw them, people recognizing you in Starbucks. Mm -hmm. But they weren't accosting you. Mm -mm. They were just. They're very respectful. So happy to see you. They're very respectful. They're very sweet. They're very, um, you know. Sometimes they want pictures. That when, uh, and that, that's fine too. Um, most of the time, they just want to tell me that they rooted for me on America's Got Talent. It's, it's really beautiful. It's and it's and it's sweet and nice. I love it. That's that's my question. Ten years later this is the last question for you so many people on that show have faded into obscurity because you know they, the contracts expired and whatever what what is the one thing about you that you attribute to your staying power and your fame 10 years after participating in the franchise well one thing i think i'm genuine uh i'm the real article when you see me on stage that's i i really bear my soul for my audience um, I think people that see my show uh, leave feeling like they know me a little better, and I think that that is something that uh, that is lost on a lot of um, of entertainers. That you know, people don't feel that way about a lot of entertainers, you know, but they do it about my show, and and I'm I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that fact um, that that I think people uh, really feel like they know me better after they've seen m my show, um, and and also. 
my show really transcends any kind of age barriers or anything like that. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, there's going to be something about my show that you, that you're going to find that you love, you know, and that, that is important to me. Um, and I think that's, that's why I've, I've been so successful for as long as I have. I really do. So. Wonderful. Terry Fader, thank you so much for number five. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It was fun. And what's really neat, too, is, you know, from a, a standpoint of knowing him for a while, you know, I got to see his, because I wanted to, I was, you know, just some kid who wanted to be a ventriloquist and, you know, thought of him as as a mentor. He sent me um, DVDs of, of each show that he was doing at the time. You know, one was at a tiny theater one was at a some club dinner event and another dvd was at a corporate you know event and mm-hmm. it was it's so amazing to see from the time you know from the very first dv that i got of his performance at the iowa state fair to go to his 10-year anniversary show and and see the evolution of of the terry fader show it's super cool and as you said, it's so, it's, it's nice to have that trust and that, that friendship with him of, you know, getting, getting access to cool mm-hmm. things. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, I get it. I hope that Terry will come back on this show for forever. You know, I hope we get to know him and, and stay with him and watch his career and, uh, you know, like I said, I will try my best to never do anything related to, to that kind of stuff without you or at least involving you in some way <laughs> because I don't want to get yelled at again. <laughs> well, I have to thank you for <laughs> reconnecting uh, that relationship, that, I don't know, that friendship. Um, it's so good to, you know, talk to him again and have, you know, if I have a question about something, if... You know, I find a funny picture, you know, I can just send it his way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so it's so good to have that point of contact again. So I have to thank you for that. And uh, yeah, it's my pleasure. It, it's like I don't want to make it sound like it's an injustice, but I, when it comes to celebrity and I don't know where I get this sort of, you know, I give no crap attitude. But I, I know that his newfound stardom and, and celebrity was what intimidated you and me I don't I learned not to give a crap about that and I just there's something mm-hmm. in the way I was raised that says it shouldn't matter whether he's making a hundred thousand dollars a year or 20 million dollars a year he, he still cares about the people he's cared about along the way and if mm-hmm. he didn't you know if he didn't care about you as a friend and somebody who stuck by him and supported him just because he hit the big time or whatever, then is he somebody you would want to have stayed in contact with anyway? No. You know, so it, it was mm-hmm. my pleasure to to kind of write that because a friendship is a friendship is a friendship. And he's very proud of you. And he's very proud to see what you do, <laughs> you know. And uh, so it's, it's, it's my pleasure because I, I, I like to do that kind of stuff. Because I think it's mm-hmm. just, it's the right thing to do. You know, it's not doing it to get your kicks or, or, or anything. It's just, it's it's the right thing to do. Because yeah. I could have just as easily been a jerk and said, well, he's my friend now, bye. You know, it, <laughs> and that's, that's not right, you know. It's, it's yeah. just not I, right. I wonder if it's a personality thing because 
to be honest with you, Matt, it's something that I do here at my current job is <laughs> because I'm new and because I work with four other people in this mm-hmm. radio station. I I feel like I'm a bother when <laughs> I ask a simple question. Mm-hmm. And so I I you know, it's just part of who I am and I I wish I was more like you and and a go-getter and and you know, talking to the people that that you want to talk to. I think that's awesome and I mean, look where it's gotten you today with your your podcast. You've interviewed amazing people and wow. well, as I said again, you know, you reconnected uh, uh, Terry and I, so I thank you for that again. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure, and I thank you for still sticking with me, Mr. Big Time Radio Guy, who actually nah. has on-air jobs to do, which is where I, I want to be doing that, and that's why I do this, <laughs> is to show the broadcasters, hey, I do this, and I'm not just sitting around talking about nothing. We, we do this, mm-hmm. so I'm very proud to see that you've had two jobs out of college at radio stations, and I think big things are in store for you, sir. Uh, because you're very talented. I listened to you just now. Do we? If if people, a couple of housekeeping bits. People, if you hear weird edits, it's because Chris has to go live every so often to do traffic. Uh, and yep. right now, my family's making dinner. This room is not. This room in New York is not soundproof like the room in PA. And also, I left a <laughs> mic stand in PA. So instead of using a handheld, I'm on my lav. So if you hear the air conditioning and other echoey things, that's because I'm on the lav that I typically only use in the field because it kind of picks up the air conditioning and I'm not turning that off. We just got a new compressor and it works. So we're leaving it alone. There you go. I was wondering what that sound was. So, uh, yeah. So, all right, Chris. Well, thank you for your time and everyone else. I want you to do it. You know how to do it. Signing uh, off for Talk for Two. We're, I, I'm Chris Ortiz. We're Chris. What am I doing? <laughs> Matt Bailey and Chris Ortiz signing off, reminding all of you to keep talking for two. See That's not time. how it goes. <laughs> yes, it is. That's exactly how it is. You did it great. You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfor2.com. <laughs>